Before we go to John chapter 3, and we're going to be reading verse 16, I want to tell you the title of this sermon. I've titled the sermon, How Should I Respond to This? Because we've been talking about water baptism, I want to deal with some of the objections that people will give about the purpose of water baptism. Now, I think that the Bible teaches us that water baptism is part of the plan of salvation with repentance, confession, faith, slash belief. But there are some people that will say, no, it's not part of salvation. It doesn't have anything to do with salvation. A person is saved prior to or before they are baptized in water. Now, I think it's abundantly clear that baptism is part of the plan of salvation in the Messiah. But there's still people that give objections, like with anything. No matter what we believe, no matter what we profess, no matter what we claim, no matter how biblical we are, there are still going to be people in our life that's going to give objections to even truths. You always are going to have gainsayers and objectors. How many know that to be true? You know, even if you believe a truth, you know, you can believe that Christ is the Son of God, and you're going to have somebody that's going to object. You can believe in God, and the atheists are going to object, the agnostics are going to object. Alright? So we're going to deal with some of these objections today. Before I do, I want to remind you about some of the passages that we've covered that are very, very powerful when we think about them. For example, in Matthew 28, 19, making disciples includes baptizing them. That's where our Lord commands us to baptize. And it's included in making disciples of people. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, not just repentance, but also baptism is linked with the forgiveness of sins. A lot of people think that repentance is only to be done for the forgiveness or the remission of sins. But Acts 2.38 mentions repentance and baptism. We can't take either one out. They're linked together there, even when you read the Greek text. In 1 Peter 3.20-21, we've discussed all these in previous sermons, so I'm going through them quickly. 1 Peter 3.20-21, we see here that the Bible says that as Noah and his family... Eight souls were saved from the old world of corruption by water. There's a figure or a like figure, something similar that corresponds to that baptism, which also now saves us. 1 Peter 3, 20-21. In Acts chapter 8, Philip was preaching to the eunuch from Ethiopia. And the Bible says that he preached the Messiah to the eunuch. Preaching the Messiah to the eunuch must have included preaching water baptism. Because after Philip preached the Messiah to him, the next thing out of the eunuch's mouth was, well look, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? So even though the text doesn't explicitly tell us that Philip preached water baptism, he must have. And it was included in preaching the Messiah. So if we're going to preach the Messiah to people today, we have to include water baptism. Last week, we looked at two passages. Romans chapter 6, baptism is linked with our death to sin. I would say that death to sin has to do with salvation. Well, if baptism is linked with death to sin, then baptism also has to do with salvation. And in Galatians 3, finally, baptism is linked with our becoming the children or the sons of Yahweh. 
Galatians 3.26 says, For you are all sons of God by faith in the Messiah. Verse 27 says, For as many as have been baptized into the Messiah have been clothed in the Messiah. Faith and baptism are linked, and they are what it takes to become a child or a son of Yahweh. However, in spite of all these passages that I think are very, very clear, there are those who feel that baptism has nothing to do with salvation, and these people give objections to the teaching that baptism is a part of the plan of salvation. Before we go to some objections, let me clarify something. I do not believe in what a lot of people call baptismal regeneration. I had someone email me recently about this. They read the statement of faith that I have on my website where I include water baptism with things like faith, repentance, and confession as part of the biblical plan of salvation. All right? They said, well, it seems that you believe in baptismal regeneration like the churches of Christ. Now, I've yet to meet somebody from the churches of Christ, and I don't agree with all of their doctrine, but I have yet to meet somebody from that particular denomination or organization that believes in baptismal regeneration. When somebody throws out that term, baptismal regeneration, it's, it's kind of like a buzzword to scare somebody as though we actually believe that it's the water that saves us from our sins. We don't believe that. I, I don't believe that. I hope that you don't. I don't believe in baptismal regeneration. But I'm here to tell you today, I also don't believe in faith regeneration. I don't believe that we're regenerated by our faith. I believe that regeneration, which re means again, generation means born, to be born again or to be born anew. We're talking about an above birth, to be born from above. It's a spiritual birth, as John 3 calls it. All right, Regeneration happens only because of one thing. That's because of our Heavenly Father. He's the one that regenerates us. Faith doesn't do it. Baptism doesn't do it. Confession doesn't do it. And neither does repentance do it. Regeneration precedes or comes before all of these things. A stony heart, a carnal mind, can't do anything that's good. It can't subject itself to the law of Yahweh according to Romans 8. And it can't even cry out for forgiveness. The stony heart has to first be replaced with a heart of flesh that is able to cry out and to repent and to exhibit faith. Philippians 1.29 says, It hath not only been granted to you to suffer with the Messiah, but also to believe in Him. Look up the Greek word there for granted. It's a gift. The reason you believe in Christ is because God has allowed you to believe in Christ. Acts 13.48 says, And as many that had been ordained unto eternal life believed. Why did they believe? Because they had been ordained to eternal life. It's because salvation is a gift. It's not anything that man musters up. We don't save ourselves. Yahweh saves us. That's why I don't like the terminology that says, well, 20 years ago, one night I was in the church and I found God. I don't like that using that terminology. It's not us that finds God. It's God that finds us. We don't save Him. He saves us. And it's not by any works at all. Not by any works at all. Solely by His regenerating power and His grace. So I don't believe in baptismal regeneration. However, to say that because of this, baptism is not part of the plan of salvation, if we were going to say that, we would also have to say that neither was faith. Because regeneration comes before faith 
in the same way that it comes before baptism. But don't you agree faith is part of the plan of salvation? Well, absolutely, because once Yahweh regenerates that heart, then we are made new and we are made able to go through that process of salvation. But what initiated it? The new birth, the heart of flesh that Ezekiel talks about in Ezekiel 36 where Yahweh says, I will cause you to do this when I put this heart of flesh in you. And flesh there, don't, don't confuse it. A lot of times the Bible uses flesh in a negative way. But there in Ezekiel 36, he's not using it in a negative way. He's using flesh as opposed to stone. Stone can't be pricked. It can't respond. Flesh can. So while Yahweh is the one who saves us, and by the way, Yahweh is the one who keeps us, those that are truly regenerate, you see people that don't seem like they stay saved, so to speak. They look like they're on fire for a little bit and then they, they go off and they do worldly things and, and just live in sin. and they look like they're on fire and live in sin. You're looking at a person that's... It's not that they're becoming saved, unsaved, saved, saved, unsaved. They're not regenerated. They've never had an experience with Yahweh. Yeshua's going to tell them, I never knew you. Matthew 7.21 Not, well, I knew you for a little while, but then I didn't know you. And I knew you, then I didn't know. I never knew you. I didn't know you. Never. That's an unregenerate person right there. They're trying to do something on their own power. Okay? So he always saves us and keeps us. But he does make it clear in his word, the way in which he saves us is by one, obviously regenerating us, birthing us. And then by two, this causes us to exhibit things like faith and repentance and have confession with the mouth and then be baptized in water for the forgiveness of our sins. So I wanted to clarify that just in case somebody in here may be thinking, well, you know, Brother Matthew teaches baptismal regeneration. I don't believe that. I believe a lot of people have been baptized in water and they're still just as lost as they ever were because the water doesn't save anybody. I believe a lot of people have cried tears and prayed prayers and are just as lost as they ever were. Because that's not what saves a person. What saves a person is Yahweh. When Yahweh saves them, you can see the difference. Because He doesn't mess up. He does it right every single time. Hallelujah. So, we're going to go over four objections in this sermon. This is general objections. These are not real technical objections that have to do with the Greek text of the New Testament or any wording, or anything like that. These are just general objections that people give when you tell them, I believe that in order to be saved, you have to have faith, you need to repent, you have to confess with your mouth, you have to be water baptized. Somebody says, what, 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 what? but, John 3.16, objection number one. Let's read John 3.16. <laughs> we don't really have to read it, it's probably the most well-known verse, but let me read it anyhow for the sermon. The Scripture says, For God loved the world in this way. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. Now this is how the objection goes. John 3.16 doesn't mention anything about baptism. It says that if you believe in the Son, that means you have eternal life. So poof, out with baptism. You don't have to be baptized. Well, what's the problem with this? Well, number one, let's admit this. That is technically true. John 3.16 doesn't mention the exact word baptizo in the Greek or baptize or baptism in English. Does that mean the objection is valid? It does not mean that at all. If that objection is valid, then the words repentance and confession are not mentioned either in John 3.16, are they? John 3.16 doesn't mention the word repent, does it? Doesn't mention the word confess, does it? Don't you believe repentance and confession are part of salvation? Well, absolutely. 
The reason John 3.16 doesn't mention all those particularly is because believe is a package word. Believe stands for more than just mental assent. It stands in this case for faith and repentance and confession and, and, and even obedience down the line. Mark 1, 14 through 15 teaches us we must repent in order to be saved. And Romans 10, 9 through 10 teaches us we must confess with our mouth in order to be saved. So we can't just isolate John 3, 16 and act like it's the only verse in the Bible. Is the verse true? Yes. The verse is absolutely true. God did send His only begotten Son so that whoever believes in His Son would not perish, would not die, but would have eternal life. Life in the age to come. That verse is absolutely true. Always remember when you study the Bible, remember what Psalm 119 verse 160 says. And I like it in the NASB, New American Standard Bible. It says, The sum of thy word is truth. The sum of thy word is truth. We learn about sums in mathematics in school. We would add up some numbers and we would get the sum of those numbers. The total of them, okay? Well, the sum of Yahweh's Word is truth on any particular subject or doctrine. We can't go through and pick and choose what verses we want and make up doctrine. We have to, when we study a subject, we have to take all of what the Bible says and then harmonize everything and come to a conclusion. And in this case, the objector is not using the sum of the Word to throw out water baptism or to throw out repentance or confession in the same manner by using John 3.16. That's one objection, but it can be used in numerous ways because there are many verses that say that if we believe, we'll have eternal life. Many verses, probably dozens of them in the Bible. And all of them are true. But believe is not an isolated word, meaning that we just have to have some kind of mind thing going on up here. We don't have to do anything else. Just believe in Christ. That's all we got to do with our mind. And just stand here. Well, you would think that's what some people actually think. You know, the way that they teach, the way that they live their life. But we know the sum of Yahweh's Word teaches a lot more than that. Objection number two. Let's turn to Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. This is the second objection that somebody's going to give you. I want to try to tell you how to respond to it. Somebody's going to say, well, baptism is a work of man. And we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. Of course, we hear this objection a lot when we talk about the law, don't we? We talk about keeping the law, being obedient to the commandments of Yahweh. I don't see what the problem is. Christ said, John fourteen fifteen, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. First John 5, 3 says, This is the love of God that we keep His commandments. I don't see the problem, but people say when we talk about keeping the commandments, they say, We're not saved by works. You know, that's the immediate immediate response. But yet, they don't realize they believe in keeping the commandments too. You know, like adultery and murder. You know, those are commandments just as much as Sabbath or any of them. Everybody that goes to church believes in keeping some commandments. It's just where you draw the line at, you know. A lot of people tack off certain ones. But most churchgoers are commandment keepers up to a certain point. Should we object to that if they teach that you shouldn't commit adultery? Should we say, well, we're not saved by works? No, that's a good thing. If you teach somebody not to commit adultery and you don't commit adultery, that's a good thing. Don't let somebody object and say, well, we're not saved by works, and say, well, okay, well, that means I can commit adultery now. I was talking to a pastor one time. I can't remember what city it was in. He pastored a church of about 250 members. 
And we were talking about the Sabbath, the law. I told him I was a Sabbath keeper, that I kept the Sabbath. Okay? And I went into it a little bit, three or four minutes, just talking about it. And he said, that kind of sounds legalistic to me. So, I said, do you believe in the Seventh Commandment? Thou shalt not commit adultery. He said, well, absolutely. For sure I do. I said, well, that sounds a little bit legalistic to me. I told him. He kind of smiled, you know. See, you can't be biased on certain commandments. It's not legalistic in the true definition of the word to be a keeper of the seventh or the fourth commandment. That's not legalism properly defined. Now, that is lawfulism. Legalism is properly defined by man's rules, man's ideologies, man's works, but not by Yahweh's. If you obey Yahweh, that means you're lawful. All right? We definitely want to be lawful rather than unlawful. So, back to the objection. Is baptism a work of man? We're not saved by works. They say baptism is a work. We're not saved by works. Look at Ephesians 2, 8-9. through 9. Paul writes here to the church at Ephesus and he says this, For by grace you are saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. So the text says that we're not saved by works or from works, but that we're saved by grace through faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. So I ask you today, do you believe that verse? Well, you better believe it. It's in the Bible, isn't it? You better believe it. <laughs> Everybody's thinking, scratching their head. It's not a trick question. You've got to believe the verse, okay? Here's the problem. Other items are mentioned like faith here. Look at the verse again. Verse 8. For by grace you are saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. Do you know here in the Greek text, the word this covers everything that has just been mentioned before it? Grace. Salvation and faith. These, this, is not from yourselves. Grace is not from yourself. Salvation is not from yourself. And your faith doesn't come from yourself. It's a gift from God. This text is talking about what we talked about earlier. Regeneration. This isn't talking per se about what a person has to do like the men asked in the book of Acts. What must we do? And Peter stood back. What did he do? Did he say... You don't got to do nothing. No. Peter didn't say that. He said, repent and be baptized. Did he not? Okay. So, this this passage though is talking about what saves us. Who saves us? Not us. Not even faith. Yahweh. Yahweh saves us. Everything's a gift. If I have faith, if I'm able to believe in Yahweh, it's because He gave me a gift of belief. He gave me a gift of faith. So it's not my works. And that way, guess what brothers? That way nobody can boast. Nobody can boast. If you make it to the kingdom and somebody else does it, it'll be only because of one reason. And that's because Yahweh had grace upon your life. And the other person, they get judgment. Nobody gets something unfair. Everybody deserves death. Everybody does because all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But some people get grace. And the rest get what they deserve. If it wasn't for grace, and if we humble ourselves and just recognize we're just an empty vessel, that's all we are. We need Yahweh to fill us up. Okay? We're nothing. He's everything. If we're saved, we're saved by grace through faith. And it's not by works. We can't boast and say, well, I'm here in the kingdom because I was a little bit more intelligent than that other guy that didn't make it. I decided to respond and he didn't because 
you know, he didn't have as much going on up here as I did. No, that's boasting. That's boasting. And Paul says, don't boast as though you have not received this. It's a gift. It's by grace. Humble yourself. Recognize that it's all of Yahweh. Let's look at Romans 10. Going on with this objection. What about Romans 10, 9 through 10? It says, If you confess with your mouth Yeshua is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. With the heart one believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth one confesses, resulting in salvation. Isn't the text here clear that confession with the mouth? Yeshua is Lord. Yeshua is Master. Isn't the text clear that that is part of salvation? If you will confess with your mouth the Messiah and believe in your heart that Yahweh raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. So another part of salvation will be believing that God raised His Son from the dead on the third day. That's part of salvation, isn't it? According to this text. Oh, no, that's the work, though. See that? See how you could use that same objection? Say, I believe that you have to confess with your mouth, Brother Jerry, in order to be saved. And Brother Jerry says, that's a work. What does the Bible say, though? Does the Bible call it a work of man? No. The Bible says you do it to be saved. You do it to be saved. Is it talking about regeneration here? No. It's talking about what happens after regeneration in the plan of salvation. All right? So confession is part of salvation. And Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 doesn't negate baptism being part of the plan of salvation either. Yahweh is the power that causes causes us to have faith. He causes us to confess with our mouth. And He gives us the desire to be water baptized into His Son. Objection number three. This is how this objection goes. Placing faith in baptism replaces placing faith in the blood of Christ. You tell somebody, I believe baptism is part of the plan of salvation. They say, you're taken away from the blood of Christ. You're placing your faith in baptism and not in the blood of Christ where it belongs. Well, I would agree that if we really did replace faith in Yeshua with faith in baptism, it would be wrong. I would agree with that. However, we're only doing what Yeshua commanded us in Matthew 28 and what Peter, following the Messiah, commanded us in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. To be baptized. Now, if Yeshua commanded it, Yeshua is the one that shed His blood on Calvary's tree. If He commanded it, how are we doing wrong by still following through and commanding it to those people that we disciple now? It's not that we're placing our faith in baptism. We're placing our faith in Christ. And our faith in Christ doesn't mean we just believe what He did. That's a big part of it. And believe in who He is, that's a big part of it. But it also means when you believe in Christ, you believe what He taught. A lot of people want to separate His teachings from who He is. And you can't do it. If He's your Lord and He's your Master, you've got to follow in His teachings. What does the word Christian mean in the, in the truest sense of the word? To be a follower of Christ. How do you follow Him? Does it mean He's in front of you and you walk around like this? No. You follow Him by doing what He says. Reading His teachings and saying, okay, I'm reading your teachings. Christ, you're the anointed of God. And I want to follow you. And I know I've not been doing this in my life, but I've got to change. I've got to have an about face. I've got to repent. You're following His teachings. And is not one of His teachings to be baptized? Matthew chapter 28. 
Yahweh has given us a means to contact the atoning blood of Yeshua when in faith and repentance and confession we're baptized into the Messiah. Think about this. Romans 6, 3-4. We went through this last week. It says, Do you not know, are you unaware, that all of us that have been baptized into the Messiah were baptized into His death? Therefore we have been buried with Him in baptism. When we're baptized, who are we baptized into? The Messiah into His death. We're not placing our faith in the baptism. We're placing our faith in the Messiah. Do you catch that? Alright? And if you are placing your faith in the baptism, then you're wrong. And you're doing that. You're placing your faith in Christ. Christ, you told me to do this. This is how you want me to identify with your death. I'm going under the water. That pictures the death, the burial. I'm coming up out of the water. That pictures the resurrection of Christ. And then I'm going to walk in a new life. Isn't that beautiful? That's what it, that's what's happening there. Hallelujah. So baptism by itself doesn't save anybody. Brother Randy and I talked about it. A gentleman, he won't mind me saying this. A gentleman that Brother Randy knows well. And the doctor told him that he was going to die. So he decided to go down to the church, pray the sinner's prayer, and get, get the preacher to baptize him. Then he went back to his house. He doesn't ever attend service. He doesn't live for God. He doesn't follow Christ. He doesn't read the Bible. But he thinks he's saved because he said a prayer and he got baptized. Now, I don't believe the doctrine of the sinner's prayer is biblical. I think we should cry out to Yahweh to forgive us, but the thing about repeating these words after me and then telling somebody they're saved because they do it, that's not biblical. You give somebody a false sense of security. Preachers do it on TV. They say, if you've repeated these words, you got saved. That's not true. That, that's just as wrong as thinking water saves you. If you think a prayer saves you, it's just as wrong. It's when Yahweh changes your whole person and you're not the same anymore. And then it's not just baptism. It's not just some preacher ducking you underwater. You're really meaning everything that's happening. You're having faith. You say, Father, I have faith in Your Son. I believe You, you resurrected Him from the dead. I repent of my sins. I'm not going to live the way that I've been living. I'm being baptized into Christ. That's the saved person right there that's been regenerated. And then he goes on and he walks in newness of life. And everything doesn't change overnight. We want to point our old judgmental fingers at people and expect them to change overnight. They need time to grow, but they will grow if they're truly saved. If they're truly saved, they'll grow. If they're not saved... They'll sit on a pew for 20 years and never make any progress in their life. It's an unsaved person. I know that's hard and I'm not meaning it to be mean. I'm just saying it's the truth. And so we can't think that just because we go through some motions, it's some kind of magical formula that earns us salvation. You don't earn anything. Yeshua, the Christ, earned everything. You put your faith in Him. You're baptized into Him. So that's how to answer that objection. We're not placing faith in baptism. We're placing faith in the blood. The last objection we're going to deal with today is this. The thief on the cross wasn't baptized and Yeshua said He would be in the kingdom. If you look at Luke chapter 23, verses 39 through 43, I'm not going to go there in your Bible study. Check out Luke 23, verses 39 through 43. There Yeshua is hanging on the cross on the the torture stake there's a criminal beside him. 
Actually, there's two criminals, but one criminal, he he has some emotion stirring up in him, and I, I believe it's because Yahweh gave him a new heart. <laughs> and he looked at the at the Messiah. There he is, hanging on that cross because he deserved to be on there. He said, Master, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Yeshua said, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Paradise, therefore, and the kingdom are equal. They're one and the same thing. Inheriting paradise is entering into the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven that will come down to this earth when it's renewed in the last finality of everything. So, we know that when the kingdom comes, that thief, that criminal, will be there in the kingdom. And somebody says, well, he wasn't baptized. Well, let me go over a few points here. Point number one, at the time that that Yeshua granted him eternal life in the kingdom, baptism into the Messiah had not yet been instituted. All right, we've got to remember this, okay? It's just like the tassels. Brother TJ talked about the tassels earlier. You couldn't go up to somebody before Numbers 15, like in Genesis, you know, Understand what I'm saying. I believe that the tassels is a commandment now, okay? And I wear them, all right? But you couldn't go up to somebody before the institution of the commandment and say, where's your tassels at? Well, the commandment hadn't been given. Once the commandment was given, then it had to be obeyed. You understand that? The death of the Messiah was taking place. After the Messiah died, the new covenant was instituted, right? We went from the old covenant that we're not under anymore to the new covenant or the renewed covenant. And as part of that covenant renewal, Yeshua said, you've got to be baptized into me. There were many baptisms in the in the Old Testament. Many different Hebrew washings for cleanliness. There was the baptism of John, right? But Yeshua's baptism had not yet been instituted. It had not yet been given. Alright, so we've got to remember that point. We've got to remember that point. Secondly, we don't know. It's it's an assumption to say that the, that the criminal was not baptized in John's baptism. Now, I, I can't sit here and tell you that he was, but you can't tell me that he wasn't. See, John the Baptist baptized with a baptism in water unto repentance as a forerunner looking to the one that was to come. The Pharisees, they rejected the counsel of Yahweh. They weren't baptized by John. But we don't know whether or not this criminal was baptized by John. He may have been. I can't say he was, but you can't say that he wasn't. All right. Now we know, according, we went over, if you were here for the sermon on Zechariah 13, Zechariah prophesied, Yahweh threw and prophesied of a fountain that would be opened. And I believe that's talking about baptism into the Messiah. It would be opened, but it wasn't opened until after the Messiah's death. All right. So firstly... Baptism into Yeshua was not yet instituted. Secondly, we don't know that the the criminal was not baptized into John's baptism. He might have been. That criminal wasn't born hanging on that cross. He lived a life before he put him up there. He could have been baptized by John. It's a possibility. Don't say it's absolute, but it's possible. Thirdly, we cannot take extreme situations and apply them to normal circumstances. This is Morgan's question that she asked me last week while we drove home in the car. I don't know how her little 11-year-old mind comes up with these type of questions. But she does. And it was a good one. She said, Daddy, do you believe that you have to be baptized to be saved? I said, yes. She said, what if somebody 
is walk into the water and they die while they walk into the water. And they don't get baptized. And so I, I gave her a small answer, but then I gave her a big answer. And I'm going to give the big one first tonight and then I'm going to give the small one. All right? You can't take extreme situations and apply them to normal circumstances. You can't do that. So my answer first was this. Number one, Morgan, that's a hypothetical situation. Do you know anybody that that's ever happened to? I don't. You probably don't. They usually make it down to the water if they get baptized. Okay? So that's a hypothetical situation. Don't judge the normal by the extreme. What do I mean by this? Well, this is what I believe. And I know a lot of Church of Christ guys is going to get upset when I say this. But I believe that if a person is truly regenerate, and Yahweh's really saved them and gave them a new heart, and they, they really they really have that change going on in them, and hypothetically they die before they get baptized, they're going down to the river to get baptized or whatever, and they die, I believe they're saved. I believe they're saved. Okay? But don't take that extreme situation and apply it to the normal circumstance. Don't sit here and say, well, because you said that, Brother Matthew... I, I, you know, I know I need to be baptized, but I'm, I'm not going to do it. You know, no, that's wrong. You're rejecting the counsel of Christ. You need to be baptized into Him. Can you understand that? You understand that? Think about this. Think about it in relation to the mute or to the dumb person. There's a lot of people in this life that are born mute or dumb. They can't talk. Now, Romans ten nine through ten, we read it, didn't we? That if thou shalt do what, confess with thy mouth. The Messiah. Well, a mute or a dumb person can't do that. Does that mean that they can't be saved? No. They can be saved. They're not physically able to confess with their mouth, but they can believe in their heart. And to sit there and tell that mute person that they can't be saved because they can't speak some words, you'd be crazy. You'd be crazy to try to say something like that. But don't take that extreme circumstance and say, well, because they can't do it, that, does, that means I don't have to do it. No, you have to do it. If you can speak it with your mouth, you've got to confess Him. Romans 10, 9 through 10. Alright? Fourthly, the thief or the criminal didn't have the opportunity to, to do anything towards Yahweh or Yeshua, but just believe. Think about this. I, I was having a meeting with an antinomian pastor All right, one time. This pastor didn't believe in obedience to the commandments, obedience to the law. And he asked me this question. He said, Brother Matthew, he said, if somebody had faith, somebody repented, somebody confessed, and somebody was baptized in water, and then they died, and they didn't keep any of the law, would they be saved? I said, absolutely. Absolutely, they would be saved. And he said, well, why do you need to keep the law then? And I said, number one, hypothetical situation. Okay, It could happen, and if it did happen, they'd be saved. Number two, though, if that person didn't die, pastor, and they live for another 50 years, if they're truly saved, you'll see Yahweh creating a new creature. They'll learn and they'll grow and they'll be obedient to the commandments. If they had a problem with stealing, they'll stop stealing. If they was a, a drug dealer, they'll stop that. If they had a problem with adultery, they'll stop that if they're truly saved. How many of you know that that's true? How many of you in here had problems before you were saved and it came natural? And then when you were saved, it's like, whew, swept clean. 
I don't want to do those things anymore. It's true salvation. That's true regeneration. It's not just repeating some words or going under some water. It's true regeneration and true salvation. The thief didn't have the opportunity to do anything but just believe. But, and this is hypothetical too, but I'm going to throw it out there. If by some chance the Romans decided not to crucify him that day and they pulled him down off the cross, if he was truly regenerate, would he not have lived a life of holiness until he died? Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't judge normal circumstances by pointing to extreme circumstances. Exhibit faith. Confess with your mouth. Get water baptized. You must do it. It's part of the plan of salvation. Let's stand and close in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I love You and I thank You and I appreciate You for all that You do. Thank You for being able to study Your Word one more time. Father Yahweh, we don't know if we'll get another chance to do it. We're not guaranteed that. But we thank You, Father, for giving us another chance to study it today. Father, I pray that You would uh, prick the hearts and open up the hearts and the minds of the people here today. And uh, give us grace where, where it's needed. We pray all these things in Your Son. Amen.